this. Okay, so my dad bought this house in the 70s. We're in Eagle Rock, California. Is this weird? Before we start again? No, no. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, so my dad bought this house in the 70s. He met my mom here in Eagle Rock and been living here ever since. Yeah, I know, it's really cute. Actually, it's a little too cute. <laughs> My dad was someone who would sit on the porch and give away grapefruit from a grapefruit tree just so he could like talk to everyone in the neighborhood. And one day I remember he got mad because this lady came and took all his grapefruit and then he didn't have an excuse to like talk to people. So he liked talking to people, he liked writing down the stories of everything that happened in his life. He documented things meticulously, meticulously, like books he's read, music, events that have happened, things that have happened in the neighborhood, on the street, interactions with neighbors. Yeah, no, it, it, it's almost, almost to a ridiculous amount. And I didn't appreciate it until he passed away. So my dad passed away about three, four weeks ago. So very, very recently. So we've just begun to go through his things barely like we've just started but through going through his things we came across one notebook titled the exorcism (laughs) so of course me and my sisters had to open it up and with the book was a cd and once i saw that I kind of, it brought me back to a place that was about four years ago. My dad called me up. He just, he just sort of said like, you know, me and your mom were up all night last night and your mom's pretty freaked out. He said that he wanted me to come by and pick up um, this CD and that, you know, things were a little crazy over at the house. And that's all he said. I remember that was all that was said. And at this time, my husband worked the night job. So I was all alone. I was completely by myself. Probably eight or nine at night. I popped this thing into my computer. The opening is... Okay, let's see. So as it starts playing, what you see is what looks like someone holding a very shaky camera like the Blair Witch Project, which would be my dad. And he's kind of getting into the bushes where the fence is by my neighbor's house. And he's zooming in on their window. I thought my dad was going senile. And like, had sent me a DVD of someone walking. He had accidentally turned the V, like, he had accidentally turned on the, you know, the, why can't I? What is it called? Like the camcorder. camcorder. He had actually turned the camcorder on. And, you know, because at first you can't really even see what it is. It's just maybe someone walking. You hear crickets. It's dark. It's pitch black. You don't really know what you're looking at. And I think I just, I thought, I thought he was lost his mind. I thought he, I thought he was going senile. <laughs> Did you really? Because you haven't seen me Well, I didn't know what I was looking at. I 
I think the moment that I realized what was going on was when what I could only describe as a person in a, the deep throes of something that I cannot put a name to. I don't know what, I, I'm really at a loss for words because I think that's the part that's the scariest about it is that the sounds that were coming out of that window did not sound like a human being was making those sounds. It didn't sound human. It didn't sound human. It sounded like a cat, like a cat dying. You could hear someone chanting. You could hear someone speaking in tongues. The sounds for a rational person, for someone who likes to think that they're a rational person, sounded so scary. And the fact that I was scared made me kind of question everything. And it kind of brought up these things like, what do I believe? Like, do I believe in this stuff? And what's scarier, the fact that I'm questioning what I believe in or the fact that the people who are doing this really believe in what's happening. You can't not get goosebumps listening to it. I don't care. I don't I don't care who you are, what you believe in. When you hear something like that, you get goosebumps. So my dad, um, about three in the morning when he decided to call the cops because I think he felt at that point the voices were getting loud enough and he didn't know he kind of felt like he had to make an executive decision on the well-being of whoever was in that house. And I think it was three in the morning and my mom had to work and she was getting sick. And my dad was like, you know what? I'm calling in a noise complaint. And when the cops came over, they um, knocked on their door and they came back afterwards and told my dad that there was a priest and there was a girl and one other guy over there. And they were all soaking wet. And they had had this woman in the bathtub and they were performing an exorcism on her in the bathtub. And the police officer said they had never seen anything like that before. And they couldn't do anything except say, keep it down. They asked if everyone there was okay, if the woman was okay, if she was in distress. And she said she wasn't. Which, someone who's having an exorcism, let's talk about that for a second. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> The cops talked to the girl who was getting exercise. So this is like, yeah, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, let me reva- let me let me go back on that topic because I feel like this is where fantasy and my dad's stories. Okay, this is where we need to get the notebook. Let's get the notebook. Let's get the notebook because this is how my dad tells the story. So if you come over here and. So like I said, I'm going, we're going through my dad's things, so everything's in piles, and um, so here we are. Exorcism, 7-22-2011. And it starts off pretty normal, um, until, normal? <laughs> yeah, I should, I should <laughs> clarify, normal for my dad. The first 
Okay, so it says exorcism, the date 7-22-2011. says, I made a police... Oh my gosh, Dad, I can't read your handwriting. I made it a policy many, many years ago to never interrupt an exorcism. Okay, so I should just stop here. My dad had a sense of humor. <laughs> he he had a sense of humor. No, he, he was a character. He really, he really, he, he was really was. Oh. Which is why, okay, so I should back up. I don't think a lot of people's natural reaction would be to, like, document it to this extent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I can keep going. That is why I called the LAPD a couple of nights ago to do my dirty work. Part 1. 12 midnight to 12.50 a.m. Wife and I are sleeping in bed. Window open about 6 inches. A woman begins screeching. A guttural sound, and then it would go quiet. And then I could hear water as if someone was being dunked in the bathtub. There would be a low growl sometimes after the dunk. Something about being scared. He was scared. I was scared at coming upon a creature. Um, he's talking about getting goosebumps. Which is interesting to me because it's it's really it's really it's weird hearing about how he felt about it. Because I think like you know he's my dad you know he's never scared of anything and the fact that he's writing about getting goosebumps and like thinking that this was like a really scary thing and also him being like an atheist I mean this is something that he felt very strongly about he doesn't he didn't he doesn't believe in that kind of thing. So he talks here about more about to the, the woman saying push it push harder or something about the demons and the spirits leaving the woman. I thought to myself, fuck this shit. And I called 911. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> okay, so my dad still has a sense of humor. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dad. He was witty. He was really witty. He would, he was definitely the kind of guy who would, um, from an early age, would take you everywhere and show you anything and everything. Um, he never stopped learning himself. It was always, there was always something, some movie, some book, some art show. You know, he was sick for about three years, and then in that entire time, he 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 didn't. I don't know what the word is, but like he never stopped. You know, people get sick and they kind of get sick. He was sick, but he never stopped. I mean, there was if he couldn't do if he couldn't read, then he was gonna like draw, and if he couldn't draw, then he was gonna talk to you, and if he couldn't talk to you, he was gonna show you a picture. You know, like there was come hell or high water like he was gonna do something he was gonna interact with like the world like something you know when did he get sick and when did you find out about it so my father had been diagnosed with a degenerate liver disease and was going to need a liver transplant 
this was a year after this whole exorcism thing kind of had happened to our family. Um, he was on the list and we thought we were going to get him a liver transplant. And it wasn't until Halloween 2014 when we got the bad news that he was going to die. Being a caregiver for someone, it, you, you definitely kind of start to feel like you're living in your own personal horror movie. Um, you know, there's lots of blood and, and pain and screaming and horrible moments that are really hard to erase from your memory. He was trying to breathe and um, unfortunately was hemorrhaging. He was bleeding out of his nose and his mouth and his eyes. And at this point, he had had too many blood transfusions to sort of count. And I remember holding his hand and watching him kind of struggling to stay and trying to sort of help him go. And, I, and in some ways, I kind of wished I wasn't there because I think he didn't want to go because me and my sisters were in the room. And I, and I think that he felt like he wasn't done sort of um, being there for us. And I think for a father that that has to be really difficult. I think one of the hardest things for me was the next day going through his phone. Me and my dad had a routine where, you know, when he's in the hospital, I would go and stay with him. And for some reason on that particular day, I had decided not to go, which was unusual because I pretty religiously would be there. That morning, he must have had a sense that something was going on and he had texted me for me to come down and what I anticipated happened was that he wasn't feeling well and he kind of goes in and out of sort of being aware and not aware and he didn't hit send so there was this like long unsent message from earlier that day before he went into shock um, asking me to come down to the hospital and to see him and to come talk to him and that was crushing I think the thing that was the most heartbreaking was that I wonder if he, I wonder if he thought that I didn't come. And I think that these, these thoughts, you start replaying, it's like when you get in a car accident, you just kind of start replaying, like, well, what if I had left five minutes earlier? What if he had sent this text message? Or like, what if I had done this? What if I had done that? And you're kind of haunted by these moments and it's sort of up to you to sort of tell your narrative and to come to terms with these really hard, big topics. And so this has probably been the first week that I've actually been able to sort of like process, like even begin to process because I've just been taking care of stuff and to even like really start to think about what even happened, which is interesting how we ended up here talking about it. 
because, you know, in the process of doing all this is when I came across that notebook and you just, it really puts you in a place of like, there has not been a time in my life and probably because again, I'm 29, I haven't had anyone super close to me pass away. What do you believe? You know, do you believe in, in these things? Do you believe in exorcisms? Do you believe in an afterlife? Did that woman believe that she had the devil in her? Like, you know, like, did my dad believe what he was seeing was real? Did I believe what I was hearing was real all those years ago? You know? And I don't have the answer to that. And that's a really weird place to be, to actually be in a place where you're looking and thinking about topics where you don't really have the answer to. by Robert Garova and James Kim. This episode was mixed by Valentino Rivera. Original score by Ryo Baum. Ooh.